If you have your Bible, open up to two places, please. Romans chapter 8 and Acts 15. Romans 8 and Acts 15. And hold your place in Acts chapter 15. We'll be by there in a few minutes. And I want to begin in Romans chapter 8. And we've been talking about how to hear God. How to hear God. And we started off talking about ears to hear. Jesus said, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he also said, my sheep hear my voice. And then we talked about preparing your heart to hear. We talked about how God speaks through his word, the Bible. We talked about how God speaks through his spirit. And we talked about the voice of your spirit. And today I want to talk about what we call the inward witness. The inward witness is so important. Romans chapter 8 is where we'll begin. Hold your place in Acts 15. And I want us to read two verses, verses 14 and 16. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 16. We're going to read from the New King James Version. If you don't have the New King James, that's all right. There are a lot of good versions. But just for the sake of reading this one passage aloud, if you'll follow along on the screens, we'd appreciate it very much. Everybody nice and loudly. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and then verse six, verse 14 and then verse 16. Loudly and together, let's read. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now let me read these two back to you. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So we're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 16. The Spirit, capital S, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Notice, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So notice, two spirits that is talking about here, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, and our spirit. We talked about our spirit in the last teaching. So the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now let me throw two other verses in here that will just kind of help us to get a more well-rounded biblical view of this subject. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? So notice that's talking about our spirit. Even so, it goes on to say, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So that verse, as we've seen, distinguishes between your spirit inside of you because each human being is made up of spirit, soul, and body. So it distinguishes between your spirit and my spirit and the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, Romans eight sixteen says. Now, here's another verse. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. it says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. So in other words, what we're learning from the Bible is, when you make Jesus your Lord, your spirit that's dead, which doesn't mean non-existent, it means disconnected. As the last verse in James 2 says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So when your spirit leaves your body, your body will die. Your spirit keeps your body alive. Somebody said, I thought it was your heart. Well, your heart's a part of your bodily functions. But your heart's a part of your body. Your spirit is what gives life to your body. And once your spirit leaves, and this is why people that have had near-death experience uh, would tell us, after they died, some of them could see themselves on the operating table or on the, you know, the doctors working on them or whatever. 
And they were very conscious, very conscious, very alert, but they were separated from their body. Well, their body was dead at that point. Their body was dead. And we've heard testimonies from both sides to verify that's true. So dead doesn't mean non-existent. It means disconnected. Well, when you get born again, your dead disconnected from God spirit gets the life of God coming into it, eternal life. And the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit. And so his spirit, God's spirit, comes into your spirit and they merge in together as one. But notice the Bible still distinguishes the difference. They're still distinguishable. One is God's spirit. One is your spirit. But the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. And so that's why when the Bible says in verse 16, the spirit himself, Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Well, notice this is not talking about an email. This is not a phone call. I mean, the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. And so they're right there nestled up together. And they've been joined as one in one place, one capacity. So it is so easy for any born again person, any born again person. In fact, you don't even have to be spirit filled. That's another event that the Bible talks about. This is just any born again person will have the Holy Spirit in their spirit. And you can have this witness, this sense, because your spirit is right there nuzzled up against God's spirit. Now, let me tell you something funny that happened. Uh, David was just telling me this and I'd heard it before, but I hadn't heard it in a long time. But, uh, David went to get on a plane some, a couple of years ago and, uh, he walked back to get on the plane and right next to him in the seat, right next to him was, I mean, a really big guy. I mean, you know, David's a big guy, but this guy was really, really big. And uh, David thought, oh, no, how are the two of us going to sit here together? And uh, so uh, the guy said, hey, is it okay if I just, if, can we just leave this, uh, you know, armrest up, you know, just, well, they said, I don't know if that's a good idea, you know. And so anyway, the bottom line is Dave sat down and they're going to go on this long flight now. And Dave said, we were, I mean, close, like pushed up against one another. He said, he said, I had my phone on silent. He said, and while we were sitting there getting ready to take off, he said, I got a phone call and he said, and it was vibrating there. And he said, the guy next to me said, I think you're getting a phone call. <laughs> well, let me tell you, if you're that close <laughs> to where you can feel that, then let me tell you, you're too close. Okay. But that's the way it is in the whole, in, in your spirit when you get born again. I mean, the Holy Spirit's in there. Listen, even if no words are spoken, no words are spoken, your spirit can sense things from the Holy Spirit, whether you're in alignment, whether you're out of alignment. This is called the inward witness, the inward witness. Well, the Bible says the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Well, that doesn't mean now that you're born again, he stops bearing witness about anything else. No, your spirit and the Holy Spirit bear witness about a lot of things about a lot of things. Now, in the natural, in the natural, we, this happens in the positive and the neck and the negative. In other words, everybody knows, everybody understands. Like, let me tell you what I mean. Have you ever said something like this? I just have a peace about it. I just have a peace. 
Now, let me tell you what usually that person is referring to. They're saying down in my spirit, where the Holy Spirit is, I feel like there's an alignment between the Holy Spirit and my spirit. And I just have a peace that this is the direction we need to go. Somebody just says, I just have a knowing. I know it in my knower. I just have a knowing. I, uh, I have a, an impression. I feel an impression that we're supposed to do it. Sometimes people just say, I feel good about it. But that feel good doesn't mean in the natural. Now, let me just push pause there and let you know there's also a mental sense. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs twice, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And so you need to know that you also have a seamer in your mind. But I'm talking about the one in your spirit. And as you learn the, the Word of God, you'll learn that the Word of God is sharp enough to divide between spirit and soul. And then you can tell which one was the mind and which one's the spirit. Everybody say amen to this. Okay, now, you also have the negative. Like, for example, somebody will say, I, I just don't feel good about that. Or I, I've got a check. You ever heard that before? I've got a check in my spirit. Like something is saying, hold on. Or I, I don't have peace about it. See, we'll call it different things. The bottom line is, inside the Holy Spirit and our spirit is feeling this... Uh, Oh, this unsettledness, this concern, just a little funny feeling inside your spirit. Now, this is the witness of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to tell you is, even though we're talking about how to hear God, sometimes you can hear God and he didn't say anything. But because your spirit is nestled up in there with the Holy Spirit, without words, you know, we talk about how nonverbal communication is so much louder then verbal communication. This is the way it is with the Spirit of God. Your Spirit and the Holy Spirit are nestled up in there. And when the Holy Spirit is going, mm, your Spirit picks up on that. And will alert you and let you know this is not what the Holy Spirit is saying. This is not what the Holy Spirit is doing. Or it is what the Holy Spirit is saying. It is what the Holy Spirit is doing. And this is, even though it's nonverbal, this is a way to hear God. Somebody said, I need to hear from the Lord. This is a way to be led by the Lord and to hear from God, even without words. It's called the witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, have you ever done something and said, I knew that wasn't going to turn out right. Have you ever done that? And somebody said, well, why'd you do it? I don't know. I don't know. But I knew. I knew. I remember one time when Kimberly and I were first married. I mean, we did not... We did not have much money, I mean, at all. Hardly any money. I mean, we scraped, you know, and believed God. And we didn't complain, but let me tell you, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. But we had saved up. We needed some clothes badly. And we had saved up $300 to get clothes. And we went down to the bank, and we got three $100 bills. And we said, we're not going to the mall. No way. We're going down to Los Angeles and we're going to get some deals and we're going to make this stretch. We need this to stretch as far as it can go. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, you think about things like this, you know. And so we, we were excited. Man, we hadn't been able to buy clothes for a long time. We're going down there. Well, we got down there and we're walking down the street. Now, I hadn't bought a thing yet, okay. We're walking down the street. Hadn't been there but, oh, maybe 20 minutes. And I stopped and I saw this guy down there and he had a milk crate there. And he had these three cards. And he's flipping these three cards around. And guys are laying there $20 down, you know, and such. And I, I'm thinking, what's he doing? Now, listen, I'm not used to L.A., right? 
I, I'm a suburb boy, okay, so I'm down in L.A., and I'm watching this. And, uh, and so he'd do it a few times, and he'd flip one over, and uh, there were two black cards and one red card, and he'd say, where's the red one? Where's the red one? Well, I, I watched it a couple times, and I knew exactly where the red one was. I knew exactly where the red one was. And I said, look at that. That's easy. Look at that. That's easy. And so he did it again, flipped it out, and he looked at somebody and said, where is it? And the guy said, that one. And he looked at me and said, where is it? I said, it's that one right there. He said, put the money on the table. I thought, man, well, make me some money right here. And then I pulled out and realized, I don't have a 20. Everybody else doing 20. So I slapped $100 down there. Shut up. Shut up. Let me tell my story. <laughs> Gonna get on my case already. I hadn't even told. <laughs> and he flipped that card over. It was red and he gave me $100. And that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> he took my $100. <laughs> He walked away from the table, shoved it in his sock, and came back over and started flipping cards again. And I had this knot in my stomach, and my precious new wife was standing right next to me. And I was looking at it, and I'm mad and kind of scared, like, ah, ah, what just happened right there? What just happened right there? Well, let me just tell you, I'm a fighter. So I said, I'm going to win my money back right here. You see, there you go again. Look at that. There you go. See, look, look, just for my wife. This is for my wife. Okay. So I, I said to her, I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. No, hold on. I'm going to get it back. I can do this. I, I can get it back right here. Well, I, I pulled out another hundred. See, now, now look at you. Look at you. Yeah, like you never done anything. Look, look. And, and it was a homeless guy over here that came up to my wife and said, get your husband out of here before he lose all his money. Get your husband out of here before he lose all his money. Get him out of here. Take him out of here. Get him out of here. And she grabbed my arm and yanked me out of there. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have won it back. Let me tell you right. No, no. <laughs> Now listen, listen, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of a hundred dollars less than where you started. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now listen to me, listen to me. Walking up, the Holy Spirit inside will tell you, get out of here. This is not where you belong. This is not what you came for. There's nothing wrong with sitting there and observing and watching a master. This was a master. After a while, I figured out his deal. If he pointed somebody and say, where is it? And they pointed to the right card, he pointed some other fool like me. And if you point to the wrong card, then he'd bet. He wouldn't bet with just anybody. See, I didn't catch all that. I didn't catch all that. See, that's his deal. See, but if you listen to your spirit, your spirit has the Holy Spirit down in there. And you don't have to hear a big word from God. You just know inside. Mm -mm. 
Mm-mm. It's not what to do. It's not what to do. And if you'll allow your spirit to overrule your mind and what you think, all your experience, your confidence and everything else, and realize the Holy Spirit always knows what to do. Amen? Let me tell you, we won't lose like we, like we do. We won't make the mistakes that we do. We've got an advantage over the world. Did you hear me? We've got an advantage over the world. And it, and it, part of that is the witness of the Holy Spirit. So I want to show you this today. The Spirit himself bears witness. Bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Now, can you make or should you make big decisions like significant major decisions based on a witness of the Holy Spirit? Let me show you in Acts 15. Let's look at this. Some people get the idea that in the early church, like the book of Acts, everybody there that did anything was hearing the Holy Spirit speak to them like verbally, audibly, or they were seeing angels all the time. They weren't. There were a couple of angel experiences in the book of Acts. There were a few times the Bible said the Holy Spirit said because he does speak. But did you know in the book of Acts, it's filled with people being led by a witness of the Holy Spirit. Filled with it. Filled with it. In fact, I believe that this is probably the primary way that we're led. Is by a witness of the Spirit. Sometimes we're waiting for a word. And we don't realize we've got as strong of a leading as ever. It's called a witness of the Holy Spirit. Now, the book of Acts is about 32 years of history that's recorded. And you just see a sprinkling of angelic sightings. And the Bible saying that the Holy Spirit said he does speak. But the majority of the time they were going with a witness of the Spirit. Just like most people do in our day and age. Now, Acts 15 is where I want to pick it up. And let me bring the context. The early church started in Jerusalem with Jewish people, by and large. And so these Jewish people were trained under the law. And so the the law said to do certain things like being circumcised and not eating certain foods and so on and so forth. But when the gospel went to Gentiles that were not Jewish, and then Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul began to teach people, look, the grace of Jesus Christ is not the law. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf. Now we're living under the grace of God. Now it doesn't mean you can just sin and do whatever you want to, but it does mean that you don't have to keep all those righteous requirements of the law. And so Paul was teaching the Gentiles, listen, don't go out now because you're born again. Go out as an adult and be circumcised and all that. You don't need to do that to be saved. That was a sign of the covenant under the law, but you don't have to do that because what God's really looking for is the circumcision of your heart, that your heart now is cutting away the carnality in the flesh of your life and that your heart is receiving the grace of God. Now, this is what Paul preached, but he had some Jews that kept coming out to those churches and telling the people, the Gentiles, they needed to be circumcised and keep the law. So Paul disputed with them and finally they decided we need to go back to Jerusalem and we need to have the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem make a decision about this and tell, is it true that the Gentiles need to keep the law or not? And so that's what they did. So they came back to Jerusalem. Paul uh, came back and Barnabas, along with uh, some others, uh, came back with them. And the Bible said there was no small dispute. In other words, the apostles and elders of Jerusalem were 
arguing about this, trying to figure out what the will of God was. And finally, James, the head of the church and the the pastor of that church and Peter, the primary apostle there, both stood up and said, look, the Lord has already made it clear because The Holy Spirit's already fallen on the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. God is doing all these miracles among the Gentiles. Even though they're not circumcised, not keeping the law, it's obvious that the grace of God has been given to the Gentiles without them having to keep the law. So we need to clarify that, that now we're under the grace of Jesus. This was a major, major doctrinal decision that was going to sweep the world all the way until our day today. And I want to show you how they wrote this letter now back to the church at Antioch. Let's pick it up in verse 22 of chapter 15. It said, Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Now notice it says, Then it pleased the apostles. Everybody say it pleased. That Greek word is the Greek word dokeo. D-O-K-E-O. D-O-K-E-O. Dokeo. It says, then it pleased the apostles and elders with the church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas, and Silas, leading men. So Judas and Silas were leading men among the brethren in Jerusalem. Now, verse 23. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who were of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, notice verse 25, it seemed good. Now, those two words, it seemed good, are translated from the same Greek word, dakeo. It seemed good. It seemed good. Now, this word means that it's like saying, I think, or I have a sense. I have a sense. So notice they wrote this letter and said in verse 25, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who will also report the same things by word of mouth. Now notice verse 28, for it seemed good. That's the same word, dakeo, translated into those two words. For it seemed good, now notice this time, to the Holy Spirit and to us. To the Holy Spirit and to us. What is that? A witness of the Spirit. It seemed good. Notice it didn't say the Holy Spirit spoke. Didn't say anybody prophesied. It just said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. In other words, all of us, after we talked through this, we had a seeming good, a sense in our spirit that the Holy Spirit inside of us and our spirit were both in agreement. It said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these things, you do well, farewell. So notice this, they just made this huge, major, sweeping doctrinal decision that is going to carry through all of the evangelism of the Gentile world, in other words, the whole globe, based on something that seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Something that seemed good. No angel showed up. Nobody prophesied that you can see. After they talked it through, they just all said, seems good. 
seems good to the Holy Spirit and us. And they made this decision. And so they sent these guys back. They sent these guys back. And notice, it seemed like they have confidence about it. Like they're not saying, oh, we didn't get a word. We, did, we better wait till we get a word. Well, oh, how is a word going to be any more sure than a witness of the Spirit? They both have to be judged by the Bible. Isn't that right? They both have to be judged by the Bible. But notice, they were confident and just said straight out, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. Seemed good. But they said it three times. Pleased, it seemed good, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so they made this decision. Well, look at verse 30. So when they were sent off, talking about Paul, Barnabas, Judas, and Silas, when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. In other words, now that they've delivered this, they've been staying with them for a while, ministered to them for some time, maybe days, maybe weeks. But now the church in Antioch is saying, thank you for coming. Now we're going to send you back on your journey uh, to Jerusalem because that's the church Judas and Silas were from. And so notice this. They were sending them back, verse 34. However, it seemed good to Silas. That's the same word, dakeo. It seemed good to Silas to remain there. Notice, no angel spoke to him. Nobody in the church at Antioch prophesied to him that, you know, you should stay a while longer. There is nothing that would tell him this, this man most likely has a family, has, has a church or, you know, ministry. He's a prophet. You know, Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also. See, they're, he's a prophet from Jerusalem. He's got a ministry. He's got responsibilities. But notice, when it's time to go back, here's Judas saying, yeah, okay, let's go. And Silas just saying, you know, it just seems like I need to stay. It just seems like, seems like, seems like. Everybody catching this? See, this is called a witness of the Spirit. And here's how we know. Notice. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. With many others also. Verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they were doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. In other words, they went on a journey before Paul and Barnabas along with John Mark, who was a relative of Barnabas. And... Mark left early on the trip, and that irritated Paul. He, he, he saw him sort of as a flake. And so now they're, they're going to go back and visit those churches and strengthen. And Barnabas said, let's get John Mark going back with us. And Paul said, no way. No way we're not taking him. He flaked out right in the middle of our trip. No, he didn't go on and do the work and go through everything we went. No, we're not taking him again. He had his chance. We're not going to do it. And, and Barnabas said, we need to take him. He's a good man. He's going to help us. And they, they got in such a sharp disagreement. And notice what it says. Verse 39. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now notice verse 40. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now notice this. 
it was time for Silas to go back to Jerusalem, to his home, to his ministry. And the church at Antioch was sending him back. Thank you for coming. Thank you for going. Right now it's time to go back. Now, no indication they were tired of him, but it's time to go back. But inside, he just has a sense, a seem good. It just seems like I need to stay. He has no idea what's about to happen with Paul and Barnabas. And that Barnabas is going to take John Mark and go off on his on their own. And Paul is going to look around for who his ministry partner is and choose Silas. And this becomes the famous Paul and Silas team that the, the Bible from that point doesn't go with Barnabas and Mark, John Mark. It goes with Paul and Silas. And now Silas is part of the story of the book of Acts. And part of that famous Paul and Silas team, they were the ones that got beaten, put in prison. And at midnight, they were praising God. And the earthquake came and opened up all the doors. Silas is a part of that. How did he become a part of that? By a witness of the Holy Spirit. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Listen, don't think that this is some, you know, if you can't really hear a good word, well, maybe this is a fallback. Uh Uh-uh, this is a primary significant way the Holy Spirit leads us and opens up big things in our lives, opens up big ministry, helps us to get from one level of financial instability to a level of stability, to a level of getting out of debt. Somebody say amen. Amen. To a level of open doors of ministry and marital blessing and such. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. And if we could just begin to be sensitive to the witness of the Holy Spirit, the sense of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's a way to hear God in nonverbal language, if we could say it like that. He would have missed the opportunity of a lifetime if he had just paid attention to what everybody else was telling him. It's time to go back. And he said, you know, it just seems like, seem good if I just stay. Seems good if I just stay. Now, you would think if you're going to be a biblical author, if you're going to be one of the about 40 authors of the Bible, that surely an angel would appear or the Holy Spirit would speak to you or something, right? But I want you to notice, listen to Luke 1. It says, Luke wrote, Luke 1, verse 1, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, verse 3, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of the things in which you were instructed. You know what Luke just said? He said, I know others have written about Jesus being here and wrote a gospel and such. He said, you know, it just seemed good that I need to write one as well. Seemed good, Theophilus, that I need to write an orderly, or we could say a chronologically ordered account of the gospel. Seemed good. You know why Luke wrote the gospel of Luke? Because it seemed like he needed to. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? See, don't tell me that the witness of the Holy Spirit is some backseat way of following God and hearing God. I'm telling you, this is in the forefront. This is primary. This is right up there. And God will do great things in you and get you out of jams and out of messes and keep you out of jams and out of messes just as much with a sense and a witness of the Holy Spirit as with anything, as with anything. I remember when I, uh, when I was in high school and just got out of high school, 
I had a, a girlfriend. I only had a, a girlfriend, that girlfriend for three months. But nonetheless, my mom was telling me, that's not the one. You know, you need to cut that off, this and that and the other. But, you know, I, I didn't, you know, you're at that age where you don't want to just do it because mommy said to do it. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying you don't want to. But, you know, down in my spirit, I, even though I was out of the will of God in that relationship, I did love the Lord. I was seeking God. I was yearning and needing God. I was dealing with some issues in my life. But let me tell you this. Down in my spirit as an 18-year-old, I remember something down in there going, "Mm." I didn't hear anything, but I just felt it. There was an uneasiness. And I just knew down inside that this is wrong. This is not it. She's not the one. This is not the time. And that's part of the reason it irritated me when my mom would say it. Because not only did my spirit and the Holy Spirit bear witness, but it bore witness with what she was saying. And I didn't want it to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's pride in there. There's some rebellion in there. But nonetheless, let me tell you, what ended up happening was I didn't hear any words besides what my mom was saying. I didn't get prophetic words and all of that. But I broke up because down inside... There was a witness of the Holy Spirit with this young teenager that was saying inside, "Mm -mm, this is not it. This is not for you. And let me just tell you today, thank God. Not that she was a bad person, but oh, see, God's got the best for us. And our flesh and our carnal mind does not know it, does not understand it, does not comprehend it. And we need to learn that the Holy Spirit always knows the right thing to do. Always knows how to get you to the next level. Always. See, this has been going on in my life for many years. Just to seem good. Seem good. We make all kinds of decisions. I was trying to find out what college to go to. And I went, joined and quit college a couple of times. And finally, just by a seem good I got to the right place. And oh, when I got there, it just something broke inside of me that I knew I was in the will of God. How did I get there? Did anybody tell me I should go there? Uh Uh-uh. It was a witness of the Holy Spirit. Got me to the right place at the right time. You know, I know the Lord spoke to me in January of 99 to start a church. But I didn't know where. I didn't know where. And when Kimberly and David and Tiffany and I came to this location, I was still going, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Dave was back there in the backseat going, yeah, but can't you see this place being full of people, cars all over the place? And I glanced around, yeah, I can see that. But see, you want to make sure it's God, right? So we went back and began to pray and began to pray. And through a time of prayer, we didn't get any word, no angel showed up or anything, but just in our spirits, it just seemed good. Seemed good that we need to come right down there to that first little building and start a church, that this, this is the place. This is the place. We never heard the words, this is the place. It just seemed good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the rock was birthed in this location because it seemed good. Seemed good. You know, when when we went to Kalamazoo, we never had any word from God. Go launch in Kalamazoo. Didn't have a word from God. But we prayed and we had a seemed good. And today, now, a congregation, every Sunday, about over... 300 people. Most every Sunday is over 300 people. I think a week or two ago, they had 364 people. You put everybody together of all the active people and you got five or 600 people back there just by a seem good, seem good. You know, 
We didn't hear any word from God to start the Spanish church. But now, every Sunday, if we include the kids and everybody, they're pushing up about a thousand people every Sunday. How did that happen? There was no word from God. No angel showed up. We just prayed and it seemed good. Like this white boy needs to start a Spanish speaking ministry. Somebody say, Alleluia. Amen. Or Amen, right? See, listen, I'm telling you, ministry explodes when we follow the witness of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? I mean, just six months ago, launched in Battle Creek, and already they're busting over 100 people. Praise God. Lake Elsinore, weeks ago, over 100 people. Seal Beach, 250 plus people every week, every week. How, how does that happen? Listen, most all of these decisions that are reaching people were not verbal words of God. We pray and we have a sense and a witness of the Holy Spirit. And we say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. Let's go. And, and the Lord blesses it every time. Every time. Now, you know what? Many of you out here, because the word of the Lord for this season for our church is to put rock groups everywhere. Everywhere. I know that I know that I know that many of you, because that is the word of the Lord, you're, you're getting a witness of the spirit and the Lord's saying, I want you to be a part of launching one of those. I want you to be a part of reaching people. I want you to be a part of that. See, you can just get filled on the word of God in discipleship and never use any of it. But you know, freely you have received. What did Jesus say? Freely give, freely give. And some of us will have a witness of the spirit. Like I know God wants me to step up. Yeah, I know it. I know it. And I, and I could always say, I don't have time. I don't have this. Don't have, I don't know what house and everything. Yeah. But you know, you can't wait on don't know. You got to go with the seem good of the Holy spirit. You've got to go. And let me tell you what's going to happen. Our congregation that is not only saved, but spirit filled. Oh, let me tell you right now, the Holy spirit is down in there and he's going to lead us to reach more people. In fact, we're not only going to do it in proximity to our campuses, but through podcasts and television, let me tell you what I believe is going to happen. We're going to have people starting rock groups way out somewhere in other States in the boonies and even other countries. And those rock groups are actually going to become churches, churches. We're going to plant churches. We'll call them rock groups initially, but we're going to plant churches and people are going to start being born again, like crazy disciple, like crazy. And let me tell you how most all of them will happen. It'll seem good to them and it'll seem good to the Holy spirit inside of them. Amen. Amen. See, this is what many people miss. They're looking for something, you know, spectacular, some, you know, pixie dust floating down or something, you know, that they can see visibly. No, 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 no. Jesus said to Thomas, listen, because you've seen, you believe blessed are those who have not seen. And yet they believe yet. They believe how many of you, after we talked about this from the word of God, you're thinking of situations in your mind where you've sensed things, either positive or negative from the Holy spirit inside of you. Raise your hand up. See, this is, this is not something we don't know. We really know. Sometimes we just need to open the Bible and define it. Open the Bible and define it. Well, let me tell you something. This, this is going to be a good ride. How many of you are willing to follow the witness of the Holy Spirit? Amen. I'm telling you, ministry is going to explode. Your lives are going to explode. Your family is going to flourish by this. This is all part of learning to hear and be led by the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. 